0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Questions. Are questions good or bad? When discussing issues of faith with family and friends, questions can be a great tool to help clarify and understand someone else's beliefs and practices. If you're talking about church at a family gathering and your aunt says, well, I used to go to church, but now I'm spiritual, but not religious. A simple question like, what do you mean by that? Can really help clarify if this is something thoughtful or if this is just something they say as an excuse to not go to church. If someone says, I know this thing I'm talking about is true, you can ask, how do you know? How do you know it's true? Questions can be very useful. When you're starting a new job and you don't know how to do something properly, it's good to ask, can you please show me again how to do this? Questions can be helpful. But questions can also be used as a weapon. Too often questions are not actually looking for information, but they're used to try to trap someone in their answers. In politics, questions at a debate or a press conference or shouted at a politician or candidate can be gotcha questions, trying to force someone to choose between two possible answers, knowing that either answer will damage their campaign or their credibility. And no matter who the president is, it seems that the White House press secretary has to be an expert in not answering questions if the answer would harm the president. A reporter asks a gotcha question, and the press secretary responds that the president is doing great things better than anyone's ever done it before. Gotcha questions are pretty common today. But this isn't anything new. 2,000 years ago, in Jerusalem, the Pharisees are plotting against Jesus. On Sunday, Jesus triumphantly rides into Jerusalem. He promptly cleanses the temple of those selling animals and exchanging money. And the religious leaders just see Jesus as a troublemaker who needs to be eliminated. And they try a series of gotcha questions. The chief priests and the elders challenge Jesus' authority. And Jesus asks them, where did the baptism of John the Baptist come from? Was it from heaven or from men? Jesus responds to their gotcha question with a gotcha question of his own. And the religious leaders refuse to answer it. And then Jesus tells them the parable of the two sons. And the parable of the, the vineyard and the tenants. And these parables are harsh accusations against the religious leaders. And they know it. And they want to get rid of Jesus. But they fear the crowds. Jesus then tells them the parable of the wedding feast that we heard about last week. It's a warning to them that those who reject Jesus will be cast out where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The religious leaders plot to trap Jesus with another gotcha question. And this is a good one. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Now, nobody likes to pay taxes, but they are a fact of life. And the Pharisees don't actually care what Jesus thinks. The question is a trap. If Jesus says it is lawful to pay taxes to Caesar, they will accuse him of being in league with the Romans and of an enemy of the Jews, and the Jews will then reject him and treat him like a tax collector. But if Jesus says that it's not lawful to pay taxes, then they can accuse him of leading a rebellion against Caesar, and Jesus will be in trouble with the Romans. The goal of the question is not to gain any information. The goal of the question is to hurt Jesus no matter how he answers. Now, as good as press secretaries are and politicians are at not answering questions, Jesus is the best. They cannot trick Jesus, because as the Son of God, Jesus is pretty smart. Jesus knows how to avoid their traps. His time has not yet come, but it is coming soon. On Thursday, he'll surrender to arrest, torture, and crucifixion. That's why he came to Jerusalem. But he he will go on his own terms and not be trapped by the Pharisees' clever question. And he lets them know that he is in charge of this conversation. But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. A denarius at this time bears the image of the emperor's head, along with an offensive inscription. It reads on one side, Tiberius Caesar, son of the divine Augustus, and Pontifex Maximus, meaning more or less high priest, on the other side. And Jesus said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? And they answered, Caesar's. And Jesus brilliantly tells them, therefore, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Caesar made the coin. He has his picture on it. He calls himself the son of God. If he wants it back, give it back to him. But that's not all that Jesus says. The next few words are the heart of the matter, but I'm afraid these often get lost because we think Jesus is teaching here about taxes and our relationship with the government. But the heart of Jesus' teaching is render to God the things that are God's. What does this mean? In the context of this tumultuous and troubled week in Jerusalem, what does it mean to pay God the things that are God's? It means to do the Father's will. It means to repent and believe what John the Baptist preached about Jesus. It means to know who owns the vineyard of this world and to whom does the fruit belong. It means to have a place at the wedding feast of the Lamb, now and forever. To have a place at the feast is to honor the master of the feast by accepting his invitation and worshiping his son. To pay to God the things that are God's is to know who Jesus is and to know What Jesus has done. The Pharisees and the Herodians are asking Jesus the wrong question because they reject him as the Messiah and the Savior of the world. To them, Jesus is just a problematic prophet causing trouble, just a crazy rabbi from Galilee. You are not like the Pharisees, you know who Jesus is. You know Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. You know Jesus has come to offer himself on the altar of the cross as the sacrifice for the sins of the world. You know Jesus gives to you the robe of his righteousness to clothe you for the wedding feast. And he gives you a place here at his table for a foretaste of the feast to come. And you know that on the last day you will have a place at the wedding feast of the Lamb in his kingdom. To render to God what is God's is to repent of your sins and follow his Son as a trusting and obedient disciple. To render unto God what is God's is to daily struggle against the temptations of the devil, the temptations of the world, the temptations of your own sinful flesh, that all want you to cast off the robe of Jesus' righteousness, reject the Lamb of God, be too busy to come to the wedding feast, and deny that you are a Christian by living like a godless pagan so you fit into a world of godless pagans. To render to God what is God's is to surrender lordship of your life to the Lord of life. Hour by hour, day by day, week by week, year by year, live out the prayer, thy will be done. Thy will be done in all that you are given to do. Thy will be done in all of your life. Thy will be done even in those parts of your life that you like to keep tucked away from others, even hidden, if that were possible, from God. Your life on the Internet, your financial life, your sexual life. Surrender your false lordship of these areas and pray, Thy will be done. You are a child of God who carries the name of God watered on to you at your baptism. You are welcome to your place at the table to receive the body and blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. You belong to the Creator and you are made holy through the blood of His Son, Jesus. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You wear the robe of Jesus' righteousness. You belong to God. As St. Paul writes to the church in Rome, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. You are a beloved follower of Jesus. Give to God what is God's, because you belong to him. Amen. And now may the peace of God, the peace that is beyond understanding, keep your hearts and minds in true faith until our Lord Jesus returns in glory. Amen. We rise for the creed.